Hello, everybody. We're here again with very, very interesting topic, which is are some things unknowable? Actually, I brought this question from TOK class. TOK stands for Theory of Knowledge, if you're curious mm-hmm. what it is. And I found it very really interesting that we actually don't know a lot of things. Question to Misha and all of you who are listening to this episode. Uh, what are the things that you can figure out? Hello, everybody. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, let's lay down the groundwork first. So um, if you're using this to get some kind of idea for your TOK exhibition, maybe like your brain is literally not processing anything. So you need some like help. Yeah, we're here to help you. So here are some questions that are related to the prompt that you can think about on your own. Okay, so number one is what do we know now? So um, what do we know now that's true or what do we know now that's untrue? What do we, what are the things that we really, really know? Like we're confident that we know. And like, what are some of the things that are kind of vague? Okay, number two is how do we know the things we know now? So how did we come to that conclusion? Like how did, for example, how do we know that the Big Bang is true? Or how do we know that um, the earth rotates around the sun and not the other way around? Number three at what point is something considered knowable? Is it when it may be possible, plausible, or probable? Or is it when you have rock hard evidence? Number four, what do you mean by knowable? Do you mean that something cannot be known because we don't have evidence for it? Or does it mean that something um, cannot be known because we haven't actually seen it? So. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, number five are our hypotheses, theories, and other things that may be plausible, possible, or probable enough to justify the unknown. So what kind of evidence counts as knowing the unknown, you know? So, okay, so here are the questions you can think about. Um, You can email us or DM us on Instagram if you want to talk about it with us or, like, ask us about it. We can help you there if you need help even if we don't know you. <laughs> okay, so anyway, it seems like um, there are so many things we can talk about for this topic. For example, our purpose in life. Um, what is exactly 10,000 trillion billion quadrupla the KM away from me right now? I don't know. You know, it might be some just a rock or it could be a dinosaur. I don't know. Yeah. Or like aliens and space. Like, are aliens real? Um, <laughs> how about, are we real? Are we living in a simulation? Are we in a dream? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay, so why are there so many things we don't know? I don't know. Okay, so Jim, what do you think? Um, like for us, I mean, it it applies to everyone, but like mm-hmm. um, there are like so many things that are like um, ambiguous, like um, our our curiosity or something. I I don't know. So, <laughs> okay, so okay. there are three things that we are going to talk about today. Uh, one, mm-hmm. our future, and two, truth, and three, afterlife. 
Uh, firstly, no one knows about our future. I don't know, maybe God can. Um, are there some ways we can know the future? What are the different ways people can know their future? Okay, so I guess the, um, the common methods people may use to predict or know their future is like horoscope. Um, people use like these um, horoscopes, I guess. Like, okay, what do you think people use the horoscopes for, Sujin? Um, um, maybe like they're hoping that they have like good luck for today and like, yeah, and, um, they're they might be using that to reassure themselves, but no one knows if this is true or not. Yeah, yeah, maybe to give them sense of identity, right? Yeah, I don't know, like some kind of purpose in life. Okay, and maybe people also use like psychics, fortune tellers, necromancers. I don't know, all these people are kind of scary to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, there's another one, could be tarot cards too. Um, the fortune tellers could use also these tarot cards. There's also like hand reading, like a palmistry thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember like a teacher ever like read my palm. You remember, Sujin? Uh, Miss Arlene. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I still remember that. Um, but I didn't have a really good fortune, even though, like, she read it. <laughs> oh, was it about, like, our marriage or something? Yeah, it's, like, about our soulmate or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that's a pretty bad, pretty bad fortune. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, and I'm like, oh, you know about the octopus? Like, his name is Paul. Paul. Oh, the octopus. So he's a specialized octopus who um, predicts like who's gonna world as uh, who's gonna win the world cup. <laughs> he's a pretty funny octopus. Anyway, um, why is the future unknown? Like, is it actually good to know the future? You know, um, let's play a would you rather game. You can answer this in your head. <laughs> okay. So would you rather only be able to see ten minutes into your own future anytime you want? Or be able to see anyone's entire future, but not your own. <laughs> Only 10 times throughout your life. Okay, here's another would you rather question. So, would you rather know only the bad parts of your future or just not know it at all? So, basically, the state you're in right now. Okay, but Sujin, how do we know that these methods of getting clarification on your supposed future are actually knowably accurate? Uh, I I guess we're just assuming that they're true since people who wants to know the future are mostly those who have fear of their future and like and then that's true they are trying to reassure <laughs> themselves about the future so like if you're uh, curious and afraid of what will happen in the future I'm really really sorry about to uh, be honest there's nothing we can do about the future yeah so um, true yeah. yeah. For me, I'm just trying to think that the future is something that we have to encounter anyway and through mm-hmm. the experiences we can learn and gain your XP. <laughs> <laughs> this, are we living in a simulation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what I can tell is just admit or accept as it is. However, as Misha said, uh, there are quite various ways to know the future. So 
the future heard from anyone who can see the future may be true, but technically no one knows if that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, it's like just nobody. to make, yeah. It's just to make them relieve, I guess. I, I have mm-hmm. to say to have like courage <laughs> of, of, yeah. of one <laughs> face later and you can all uh-huh. you you can't always like rely on f- fortune tellers or tarot cards, right? Mm-hmm. And what if that's wrong and something happened that you didn't predict, like expect it, or like oh, you won't learn anything from there. So if you keep yeah, that's on, true. Yeah. Usually, like fortune teller and tarot cards are very vague. Like the card is just like you will find your soulmate today. That's <laughs> <laughs> just very vague. So and oh, like you know, fortune cookie too. Yeah. <laughs> like something will happen to you today. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> yes, you will be happy. I'm like, okay, that's like so vague, but thanks. Okay. <laughs> And also, do you ever do you eat the fortune cookie? I don't eat it. How about you? No. <laughs> yeah, me too. I just open and look at the paper. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I think that there are like way too many factors to say that we can know these methods are objectively accurate, like true and real. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. Like before, I said, you know, it's just very vague. So how many times would we have to conduct trial to be able to definitively definitively say it works? So how many times do we have to test it out? Like go to this fortune teller person and like ask them fortunes for different people. And like we have to test it and test it. But like how, uh, how many trials do we have to conduct? Okay, anyway, Sujin, do you think we can actually know our future? Probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for example, if I'm re- uh, if I'm willing to go to a good university and uh, I can just study hard and do that until I achieve my goal, uh, eventually I'll be able to achieve what I wanted to in the future, mm-hmm. right? So my answer is yes in this aspect. So like, yeah. um, but if you mean my future, like, uh, what will I face in the future, like that? Maybe that's hard to know. Um, setting yeah. up goals and thinking for variables could help so that we can always change our plan, whether to plan B or C or something. Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's true. Like, um, you can know technically, like in the sense that you can plan for your future, but then again, that could very easily change. Yeah. Like, for example, pandemic. And then yeah. now you're like, how do I get out of the country to go to college? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess it's like, oh, technically, but actually no. Yes, but actually no. So yes and. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually very broad to say, you know, whether we can know our future. I mean, maybe we can make hypotheses using evidence to support our theory of what our future may be. Yeah. So like I'm studying hard. So my hypothesis, for my future is that I'll go to best university. <laughs> okay, but like we might not know the future future. Like something even a year or maybe even just a month later, we may not even know. So like, Sujin, do you remember what you were doing? Like maybe the week or a few days or a few months before the pandemic happened? <laughs> I was like, 
I, I was actually planning to go to Bali. I still remember, you know, like I still remember like in the cafeteria um, when I heard like there's this virus COVID thing. I'm like, wow, this then I was I just I still remember saying it in the cafeteria like it's it's like good because I because it's something new for a change. <laughs> Oh yeah, we no, were, like, I mean, we were yeah. trying to hang out like before the school play. Do you remember? Yeah, and then it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys in the audience probably had your own thing too. <laughs> okay, so anyway, like even if you work hard towards something, that something may change, you know, circumstances always change. And hypotheses mm, for the future is specifically may not happen 100%. So like the future of us being in not, not the general world around us, it's very, very unpredictable. Like there's really no pattern we can see with the future. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it's just weird. But we can work towards a certain future, just like what Sujit said. But it's not a definitive thing. Overall, it's more so we can work towards a plan, like towards a future rather than actually definitely knowing things. You know, I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, I think that, but then, like, I also think the Bible tells us a lot about our future, like the general future of the world, but also of us even individually so here are some verse 15 so that's like the prophecy about jesus he helps me is that 7 14 michael 5 2 jose 11 1 psalm 22 1 psalm 22 16 is that 53 5 is that 57 is that 59 yes <laughs> okay so um so then I will go to the second unknowable thing. Audience, I will go to the second thing. <laughs> okay, so the second one is truth. <laughs> is truth noble? So is all truth noble? Is everything that is true able to be proven? Okay, so um, I think we should answer this question first. How do we know something is true? So I'm going to tell you a story. So you guys should listen. <laughs> okay, a long time ago, people knew something to be true because great thinkers and authorities said it was true. Um, new is in quotation marks, just so you know. <laughs> a dogma was defended by very, very powerful institutions, such as the Catholic Church, who believed, who was believed to be a very, very great source of wisdom. So basically, anything that came out of Catholic Church's mouth is like, oh, I believe that. But in the nine, sorry, in the fifteen hundreds, this way of thinking was questioned, but it was questioned very quietly. So it wasn't made like very no, it wasn't made vocal yet. So anatomists found it hard to reconcile measurements and observation with the notion that the sun revolves around the earth. Few alchemists wondered if everything um, reality was composed of is actually just earth water fire air and ether so yeah so then we just talk about this in math right the 
sun revolve around the earth thing we did oh, that as a okay okay question <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i was kind of confused because i'm not very good at math anyway okay one day a man came along and broke the silence so the italian academic galileo galilei i think that's how you say it i'm not too sure looked through his telescope only to find that they were mountains on the moon there were objects orbiting around jupiter and phases of venus showing the sun's reflected light all these were not what authorities said it was so galilei decided to speak out in the starry messenger published in 1610 he dis- he shared his discoveries so there were drawings and illustration encouraging his own readers to look up at the sky with their own homemade telescopes i don't know how to make homemade telescope though so you probably have to ask him but he's dead <laughs> you can just use youtube youtube is very easy <laughs> we have youtube nowadays okay 13 years later in the assayer galileo went further attacking ancient theories that were widely accepted and insisted that evidence through experimentation is actually what makes something true not authoritarian assertion in 1960 uh, sorry in 1632 galileo but the treaties that was and him under house arrest and branded as a heretic i mean imagine that that's like a very bad place to be <laughs> okay so in dialogue concerning the two chief world systems that's i think another book galileo cleverly constructed a conversation between two fictional philosophers concerning copernicus's heliocentric model of the solar system one philosopher salviati argued convincingly for the sun-centered model while the other philosopher simplicio stumbled and bumbled while arguing against at the same time simplicio was commonly taken to mean simpleton <laughs> so it's kind of an insult simplicio also used many of the same arguments the pope employed against heliocentrism So at the time the Catholic Church was not opposed to researching the topic but they did have a problem with teaching it so the Vatican banned the book and imprisoned Galileo but by stubbornly refusing to be silent yeah he's a fighter i guess <laughs> Galileo irrevocably altered the definition of truth So I got this from realclearscience.com by the way. Okay, so now we know truth to be anything that is in accordance with measurable reality. So it's a fact it's something absolute, something that's always true no matter what. Okay, um maybe we can answer this question together now. Hope you guys like that little story. <laughs> okay. So then is everything that is true able to be proven? Um thank you for sharing the story Misha and uh, for your question um no absolutely not i think uh i believe you're just assuming that um uh, what we know is true since if we start to doubt everything we know it will be super duper tiring like however it, we can yeah, true. several like how the math formula works <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
there's another food or spot for you. And but in the story that Misha shared just now, it says the truth is anything that is in accordance with measurable reality. It means that we can be sure of what is measurable. We certainly know knew that now. <laughs> for something that is abstract, I think just believing it would make your life easier. Of course, like you need some consideration. Don't believe everything. You might get this <laughs> voice perfection. <laughs> yeah, just uh, don't be like too gullible. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. consider everything you hear. <laughs> If not, you'll be suddenly like um, tricked into believing that there's uh, like, you know, last time there's always like your maybe your mom says like if you eat the watermelon seed, then a tree will grow in your stomach. <laughs> oh my god, my mom said that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, kids, you know, kids always, uh, they trust everything they say, basically. You can tell them like, oh my gosh, your stuffed animal's alive right now. It's like, oh my gosh, where? <laughs> okay, so, anyway, yeah, I also think that we cannot prove everything that's true, but we do have to remember that even though it cannot be directly proven, it does not make it false yeah so one is a website by carter bastian titled everything that's true can be proven which gives us some concepts we can think about when we meet the question is everything that is true able to be proven okay number one principle of bivalence is everything is either true or false basically number two laws of thought specifically love identity contradiction and excluded middle number three is constructivism everything is true or false but there are some things we don't know so basically three values of logic true false and unknown number four is godel's incompleteness theorems so it uses mathematical proof that there are things that are true that we can't prove true and number five is bayes theorem we can compare conditional probabilities to find the likelihood something is true or false even if we're not 100 certain about it so we can use inductive logic to find the likelihood of whether that thing is true or not. Number six is scientific method. You probably ever heard of this before. So we can create a solid and usable theory based on a collection of related facts, testing, and a strong hypothesis. We don't know, we don't need to know that F equals MA directly, only that it works every time we use it in a rigorous test. We can also use hypotheses and theories to great effect. And the last one is the rule sets of logic and reason in general. So it basically inclu uh, includes all of the rules and uh, I showed, I mean, uh, I said above and it shows how we can deal with propositions. Generally, the rule sets of logic and reason helps us to decode truth values, including certain truths and probabilities. So I guess you can take the argument for God like a theistic worldview. So I'm arguing for God here. So the atheists would argue that there's no God because there's no direct proof evidence that he exists. But there's, but we can use logic and have reason to deduce there must be a God or at least some kind of creator with a capital C to have created us. Why? I guess one the world is so finely tuned. And if you think about it, Zero plus zero is always zero. Zero times zero is always zero. Zero divided by zero is always zero. But okay, divided doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so like basically nothing cannot create something. We always know that to be true. So the Big Bang had to have a big banger. 
So these are like very basic arguments for them. But um, this is not the God of the gifts argument either. Because we're going from what we don't know, such as zero plus zero is always zero, and not from something we don't know. So we are arguing from something we actually know. Zero plus zero is actually zero. It's always zero. So we know these basic facts to be true. And therefore, there is a very high probability that God must exist. But that's like a different question for another day. <laughs> that that's very fruitful information take note guys <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um, i totally agree with Misha that even if we can't fr- prove something it doesn't mean that it is not true for example mm-hmm. we can feel that we are loved by someone whether it is your family mm-hmm. friends boyfriend or girlfriend i don't know so don't mm-hmm. try to know everything we sometimes <laughs> spice this sense or like intuition right mm-hmm. and another thing that is a novel is afterlife obviously no one knows about it since the dad can't talk yeah <laughs> in my imagination i believe there's an afterlife and to visualize it i think there's another place that the bed that can stay and that place is in the sky in the sky <laughs> i know it's kind of childish but i feel like the dead are looking at us and like <laughs> on the cloud <laughs> okay Maybe. so do you think there's afterlife misha well yeah as a christian i do believe that there is an afterlife you know but the question is how do we know that there is one like you know Zujin, like ceasing to exist is kind of depressing yeah so like after you die and then it's, that's it you know you like you yeah. live this life and then when you die it's nothing yeah. it's just black that's kind of sad to be honest like yeah, that, that's it you don't even like most people don't even live 100 years old so you only been here for what maybe 70 if you're lucky 70 80 if you're super lucky <laughs> so i guess knowing if there's actually an afterlife is going to be really difficult to determine 100 and okay there's something called nde or near-death experience in which many people have experienced and seem to have experienced the afterlife there are others who have had a dream visitation or deathbed visions um, but it's really difficult to tell whether they're true or not because, you know, that's a person's mind. Yeah. So I tend to lean more with the belief that there is an afterlife, such in the Bible, Matthew 25, 46, John 3, 16, Matthew 10, 28, Hebrews 9, 27. All these verses allude to an afterlife. I believe we only have one life and after that comes judgment, either heaven or hell. Okay, Sujin, what do you think? Oh, we, we get extremely depressed whenever we experience the death of someone and feel very empty of everything. So believing that there's an afterlife makes us, makes us comfortable mentally and I'll be able to endure the sadness. Like, you know, yeah. I believe that there's no such thing like afterlife. So I just decided mm-hmm. to live in it. Um, anyway. Going back to the question, determining uh, whether the afterlife is a novel or not, we can't conclude this question. Therefore, I think it is novel. Um, Even if there's actually an afterlife, we don't know yet, right? Yes, but I'm not gonna live now and then like just play a gamble. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so, okay, anyway, I actually found this from Huras, who argues that there are several ways we can know that there is a life beyond us. So, number one is that there's actual historical evidence for the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So, many scholars such as William Lim Craig, Josh McDowell, Gary Habermas, um, they find the historical evidence for the resurrection of Christ from the dead is stronger than historical evidence for the defeat of Napoleon at Waterloo or the surrender of Germany in 1918. Even a lot of atheist scholars believe that a guy named Jesus actually lived. So the Jesus of the Bible actually was a real person. But the problem is that how do we know he actually raised from the dead? But I think that's like a different, that's like gonna take too long to touch on all that now so but anyway there's a lot of historical evidence that gary habermas is writing a thirty-five thousand. <laughs> that's a lot yeah. page multi-volume set with only a document of 80 percent of the evidence so 3500 page you know that's a lot but that's only 80 percent of the evidence so it's called the case for christ's resurrection you guys can read it if you want to I don't know if you'll be able to read it in one lifetime because it's so long. But anyway, if Jesus really raised himself bodily from the dead, then we can know that there is an afterlife because it would mean whatever Jesus says is true. So um, this is a quote. So I quote, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs on is whether or not you like his teaching. It's not uh, on whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. This is from Timothy Keller, The Reason for God Believe in an Age of Skepticism. That's a book. And number two, the reality that exists in Ecclesiastes 3.11, which is God had written eternity on the hearts of every human being. So we are the only creatures, if you ever think about it, to think that there is a life after death. I don't know if our dogs even know it, you know, like your pets, your fish. I don't even <laughs> think you're thinking about something like that. <laughs> thinking what time am I going to eat? <laughs> something like that. So like the meaning of life, the existence of an eternal creator, morality, judgment, justice, the purpose of the universe, both in this life and the afterlife, like we're all the only creatures to think of such a thing, which is pretty like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's so cool <laughs> scary. <laughs> yes, that's scary. But anyway, if there is no afterlife, so why are humans compelled to think, meditate, and debate on these matters? Like... That just makes no sense if there's no afterlife. And why do committed atheists acknowledge that there is a universal law that distinguishes good from evil? Why do people believe that human life has value, meaning, and purpose? Why are people all around the world so fixated on finding redemption from their propensity to commit evil or fixated on trying to justify themselves and their behavior? Anyway, Sujit, what do you think? Um, what we have to think about first is whether we are merely a physical body that dies and decays at the end of our life, or do we also possess us like an immaterial soul that can survive our physical demise? 
the Bible mentions soul like nearly hundred times, but it didn't specifically define it. I think. Um, however, <laughs> it mentioned that when our body dies, our soul immediately goes to be with God. Uh, according mm-hmm. to the near death experiencer, they felt comfortable when they knew they are near the death, and said that um they felt like they saw a very wonderful place. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For example, the case of forty-five year old Peggy. One of the experiencer, her heart stopped during the hysterectomy. Is that how I pronounce? I don't know. Um, (laughs) And she said that she was instantly transported to a place of brilliant white light surrounded by contentment unlike anything she had ever experienced on earth. Uh, When she was revived, her anxieties she had about dying disappeared. And she said, uh, quote unquote, I look forward to dying and have no fear whatsoever. It will be when I can go home where I came from. (laughs) Um, So simply looking at her story makes me reassured of that. And I'm really curious. uh, Am I weird? Like, I'm I'm kind of (laughs) about that feeling like going to the place where I came from. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would also want to know that feeling. So it's so not weird. That's like, you know, like, I'm actually scared of dying. That's a scary thing to think about because yeah. the world is basically all you know. So it's really scary to think, like, when I die, I go somewhere. Yeah. And, like, I don't know what that place going to be. <laughs> so, I mean, but you can know. But I think that's a conversation for another day. Okay. Don't take too long. Okay. <laughs> but that's a very interesting story. Anyway, to me, the afterlife is like super interesting, but also scary, just like what I said before. <laughs> because like the earth is, yeah, I only know this place basically. I don't know what the afterlife is going to be, you know. But anyway, the afterlife, I think it's not something to be scared of. Especially if you are securing Christ, because we know that um, we will be saved and in a better place. So we can encourage one another with these words. So anyway, Sujin, any final thoughts? Um, That's true. <laughs> Since we're <laughs> familiar with afterlife, you're afraid of what will happen there, I think. And our final answer to the question, are some things unknowable? Is yes, there are a lot <laughs> of things that are unknowable. <laughs> I hope this was a fruitful episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And goodbye! (laughs) Bye!